0: If you are struggling or someone you know is struggling with bipolar disorder, any autoimmune diseases, depression, anxiety, brain fog, lack of energy, then what you are about to hear next can literally change your life. My beautiful guest, Emily Penton, just six years ago had debilitating bipolar disorder. She had no hope thinking she was worthless and useless. And then things got worse. She was hospitalized and diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. But what happened next completely changed Emily's life. She resolved her multiple sclerosis within a few months, got off all the psyche meds, and lost 120 pounds. Now, as a trained therapist, she shows others how they can escape the mental health pit of hell. And the reason I invited Emily, because I know you can't be truly happy when you are unhealthy. And that's why this episode is so important for me.
1: I was looking at everybody else with their beautiful little white picket fence lives and wondering why I couldn't keep up, why I couldn't um, be like everybody else um, and have, you know, the the perfect marriage, and the perfect family, and the perfect house.
0: Welcome to the Happy on the Inside podcast, the podcast where you will learn the secrets of living a happy and fulfilled life from people who live that way every day. I'm your host, Anna Teachberg, and let's get started. Emily, welcome to the Happy on the Inside podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. My dear, dear, dear friend. And I love you so much. And I'm so, so happy that you are here.
1: Mm, I love you too, Anna. It's been a long time coming. And I'm so glad that we made time for this.
0: Emily, what do you think is the link between our mental health and our happiness and the food that we eat?
1: Mm. Unfortunately, I had to find that out the hard way, um, and I had no idea that um, our happy, my happiness and my mental health had anything to do with what was going on in my stomach, um, and so I ate everything. Um, I, Whenever I would make cookies, I would have two batches, and I would eat the dough of one batch, and then I would eat the baked cookies of the other batch. Um, entire pizzas by myself, ice cream, uh, soda, ramen noodles. And I was miserable for the whole first 40 years of my life. I was completely miserable. And um, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it went into rapid cycling where I didn't know who I was from one day to the next. And no one said anything about my food. Um, I, I, for eight years, I went to a psychiatrist, I was on a cocktail of medications, and still not functioning. And I have my master's in clinical counseling, because I thought, okay, I'll go to school. So I'll figure out how to help, you know, be happy and, and resolve this mental illness. And nothing was working until I changed my eating. Um, and I stopped eating sugar and processed food and it's not so much that I stopped eating because I, at that point was at the, the bottom of the barrel. I was at at rock bottom. And so there's no way I could have made, uh, uh, you know, a such a valiant effort like that. There's no way I could have been like, I'm going to stop eating sugar and I'm going to do great. It was that I feasted on fatty animal meat, and that's what gave me, I was, I was satiated, and so I was able to stick to that, and then I removed the sugar in the processed food, all of a sudden, the, the, the clouds lifted, and my depression and anxiety just dissipated, and I felt joy for the first time. At 40 years old, I felt joy. And I was just like, what is this emotion? Like, what is this feeling? I have hope for tomorrow. And uh, it just never stopped. And I never went back to the sugar and the processed food. And the rest is history. Well, congratulations.
0: I know you you. just recently celebrated your four years of being (laughs) carnivore. You look amazing. You sound amazing. You are just so... Radiant, you can see those changes in you, Emily. You mentioned a little bit that you were eating everything uh and you you were feeling not quite good, but can you tell us a little bit more how your everyday life looked like
1: before your carnivore diet yeah um I um I always had this, this kind of like a fog, um, over me and I, I, I never felt good. Um, I was, I, I had either anxiety that would, um, you know, propel me to go and, and go to school or do whatever I needed to do or, or, or take, you know, take on tasks but I never felt motivated. I never felt good about those things. Um, Everything was based on depression or anxiety. And then um, I really had this really low self-worth and I was looking at everybody else with their beautiful little white picket fence lives and wondering why I couldn't keep up, why I couldn't um, be like everybody else um, and have, you know, the the perfect marriage and the perfect family and the perfect house and job and car. And I just had failure after failure after failure. And at 40 years old, I, I just didn't understand why I couldn't keep up with everybody else. Um, and I didn't know that everybody else isn't experiencing what I was experiencing with the anxiety and the depression that literally clouded every day. Even whenever you're like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. We're at a birthday party. We're at a birthday party and people are having fun. And my heart is like pounding out of my chest. I am smiling but i cannot wait to leave this room my skin is crawling i get home and it's like <sighs> like i have it takes me days to recover from that one event um it, it was debilitating it was absolutely debilitating and then to go through the motions of working full time and even going to college and and running a household it was just it was exhausting and I had no idea until I got the glimpse of hope and I got the relief. I was just like, oh, this is what everybody else feels like. No wonder you guys are knocking it out of the park. I had no idea because that was just my reality. Um, so yeah, it was, it was not pretty. It was not, not a fun existence. I never want to go back there.
0: How old were you
1: when you felt these first signs of bipolar? It's so hard. Um, it wasn't until I got diagnosed in my 30s that I had a name for it, that I realized, oh, that's what it is. But I I go back and like I remember in my 20s, I was in a a, a writing class in college and I wrote this poem and it is literally bipolar. Like it has one line and then the next line is the opposite. And then one line and the next line is the opposite. Like the entire thing is like the depiction of a bipolar person. Um, And so I just, I never really knew who I was. And then I always had the anxiety and the depression Um, and nobody really knew because I functioned. I, I went to school. I went to church. I, I was a good little girl. Um, but I was dying on the inside. Um, and I hated myself. I, I just, I had so much negative self-talk and negative self-worth that I, I didn't, I didn't know that that's not healthy (laughs) until now, until now that I'm experiencing it. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I really, I see it all the way, all the way back into like, I would say 12 year old, 11 years old. Um, it's, it's plagued me my whole life. Wow. The reason I asked this
0: question, because I think so many people will struggle with this disorder without even knowing. And this topic is very close to my heart because I, the more I learn, the more I waking up, the more I think that my stepfather was bipolar because we never, we, never know, we never knew what kind of mood he will be coming home or within a second he, he could change from a completely normal, normal person to a completely demonic person and we wouldn't even recognize him we wouldn't even
1: understand what is happening like what have we done I did. And I was so unpredictable. Like I was, you never knew if you were going to get nice Emily or mean Emily. And, and then unfortunately for my son, I would, uh, you know, there'd be sometimes he'd, he'd walk into the room and I'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And sometimes he'd walk into the room and I'd be like, why didn't you blah, 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 blah. Like I would just, I would just rip him to shreds. And it's taken a while for us to get to that place where, He's just like, like he has something to talk to me about and he'll be like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And then he tells me and he's like ready for whatever. And I'm like, actually, I'm like, I, why don't we try this? I think that this might really work. Cause I really think you did a great job with this. And he's like, you're not mad. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And he's like, I, I keep forgetting because I keep forgetting that you're not going to yell at me. And I literally haven't, like, I can't remember the last time I yelled at my kid.
0: This is so amazing, honestly, because so many people would think that's, that's the life. It's a normal reactions of parents uh, towards kids, but I can, I can tell you that it's, Something is happening when your gut is healthy. Something is happening when you're healing. You stop reacting or overreacting at some things that, especially when your kids did something naughty, you're just becoming a pure love. And I can feel it from you. I can feel the way how you engage with other people as well. And you said no one even once mentioned to you anything about your diet or lifestyle. I was just wondering when you, when you went to your psychiatrist, did he just prescribe you those medications
1: and didn't explain anything? Yeah. Um, and it was, it was like playing Russian roulette. Um, I mean, it was like, uh, let's try this one. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Uh, let's try a little bit more. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try the combination of that high dose and then a little bit of this one. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, so let's increase this one. And so at my most, I was on 900 milligrams of lithium, 80 milligrams of Prozac, 80 milligrams of Adderall just to get out of bed every day and then Ambien to sleep every night. And I wasn't functioning, nothing was working. Um, And then, like I said, I went into rapid cycling And then that's when I had to quit working because it was, it was unethical. I, I didn't know who I was going to be every day. Did you do
0: any research about those medications and some of their negative effects?
1: Actually, um, I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity. Um, I was in survival mode and I didn't even have the capacity to read more than one paragraph. I was, my brain was just, just spent. And I couldn't even read, like, uh, like if somebody sent me a video that was, like, 45 minutes, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. Like, I could watch a five-minute video, and that was it. That was all I had the mental capacity for. Um, and so I definitely didn't have the mental capacity to read scientific journal articles about, you know, anything. Or you know, the pamphlets that they come with for this spike meds. I just was taking anything to just get the pain to stop, to stop the bleeding and to stop the suffering. And I didn't, I didn't know that it was my food. What would you say to those people who are, who are on those strong medications, but want to heal? Stay on them. Stay on your meds. Do not stop taking your meds. <laughs> but change your eating um, and and start where you're at. You know, I, I, I'm I a rip the bandaid off kind of a girl. I did it overnight, I didn't cheat um, and I had really great, awesome, quick results, but I went through a lot of transition symptoms and it was very difficult. Some people couldn't have done that. I could do it because it was just a new pile of horrible. I was already completely miserable and so my transition was just what my life was like. And um, what I would do is I would, um, I would absolutely stay on that, but increase your fatty animal meat and decrease your sugar in your processed foods. And then talk to your psychiatrist about tapering off as you feel better. Wait until you feel better and get that stability and then taper down. That's what I, would, that's what I did.
0: Perfect.
1: Perfect. I agree with you. Emily, how long did it take you to see the results
0: once you went on the carnival diet, the improvements in your mental health and physical health?
1: Yeah. Um, it was crazy. Um, I started February 24th of 2019 and my uh, last manic or depressive episode was April of 2019. Um, but I started to notice, um, I would say the end of week three that I had a glimpse of hope and it was just for 10 minutes. I just had this little glimpse of hope for 10 minutes and then it went away. And I was like, that was weird. Like I had joy. And then the next day it was 15 minutes. And then the next day it was 20. Like it just, it it just spread out. And now I literally can't have a bad day. Like I could have a flat tire, I could have somebody yell at me. I could have my internet go down and I'm good. Like I, I'm Teflon and I'm titanium. Like nothing can hurt me and it just slides right off. And I was never this person before. Um, it's it's absolutely miraculous. I feel like I got a whole new life. That's so amazing.
0: Was it hard to, to transition from the standard American diet to uh, eating
1: fully carnivore. um, this is where my mental illness became my superpower, um, because bipolar people are uh, all or nothing. Um, and so I just jumped in. It, it could have been bad if I didn't get to that 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 little glimpse of of joy. Because then I would have just been on the bipolar cycle and I would have been like, I give up, but it was long enough and it was the perfect timing for me to just jump all in. It wasn't hard for some reason. Um, I I did have cravings and stuff, um, but I just kept feeding myself where I would eat um, breakfast sausages and bacon and um, those rotisserie chicken with the skin on. And um, ribs and burgers and ribeyes and I just kept eating and I never res- I never restricted myself. I I let myself have as much fatty animal meat as I wanted any time of the day, and I just ate and ate and ate. But I did not go off plan, and then it it worked out for me. And then I ended up uh, losing 120 pounds, and that was crazy because I I wasn't even trying to lose weight. And I lost 120 pounds just eating fatty meat. Some people will just like explode. What? How is it? It, Like, how is
0: it possible eating fat and losing weight? How how does it work eating animal fat and protein
1: and losing weight? Um, From what I understand, you literally like switch systems. Like you go from a carb and a sugar burner to a fat burner. Like I, I went, it's like I went from a gasoline, um, car to a diesel car. Like I just switched fuels. And for some reason it, it regulated everything. And I just started shedding the pounds. Like it was just, it was crazy to me. Um, and now I still eat, I eat, um, like 10 ounces of fat a day. I'm still like 135 pounds at uh, 5'8. It's been four years. You know, it's not like I'm like barely holding on to my goal weight. Like it's just mm-hmm. who I am now.
0: What I love about eating carnivore is because you don't go through these horrible diets when you feel uh, hungry, hangry, you're struggling. You you constantly, you're full. It's very, uh, you know, f- fulfilling. I was happy on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> you recorded so many videos. You recorded your whole journey. You have your YouTube channel. You've been on so many podcasts, including Michaela Peterson. You, you've shared a lot. And you have a video on your YouTube channel, how you actually prepare your raw fat and raw meat. So I will leave some links under this podcast for people to go and check it out. But Emily, I know you're writing your book.
1: You're not broken. Yes. Who
0: is this book for?
1: This book is for the most miserable people Mm. that feel like they have no worth and no hope and they feel like they are broken. Um, Because I really did. I was looking at everybody else and going, they can do it. I can't do it you know, and I felt like I was broken. Like there was something not working in my brain and in my body. Um, and I, I love my favorite, favorite, favorite thing is having completely miserable people come to me and telling me how, how worthless and useless they are. And I'm like, it's a lie. Like, it's not true. It's not true. Let me show you. And Honestly, mentally ill people are the strongest people that I have ever met. And they actually end up being the the warriors. They end up being the ones who can handle anything. Those people with those little white picket fence lives, uh, the first storm that comes through, they're gonna be like, "Ah, I can't handle life. These mental health warriors those are those are the ones you want next to you those are the ones that can handle everything they they can handle um you know childhood trauma relational trauma negative self worth they can handle the storms and still be standing so i show them that they're not broken they're actually brilliant wow what an answer i can confirm your every
0: single word we are the warriors mm. People who went through some challenges in their life are actually the strongest people. You just need a little bit of guidance, someone to help you to go into the right direction. And Emily, you have such a huge credibility because you've done it. You know, when I met you, before I even knew your story, I saw this... Light And I saw this power that is coming from you and you've been, we became like a sisters. You, you gave me so much attention and help as well. And one of your biggest gift to me was this emotional code release, trapped emotions, release. Why is it so important to
1: release those trapped emotions? I think that we don't know that they're there. We, it's what I picture is somebody trying to walk through life. They're carrying all these weights, like, you know, like those weighted vests, Mm -hmm. and then you can get the weighted like wrist Mm -hmm. and the weighted ankles. And they're literally like walking through life. Like, I don't know why this is so hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this is so hard. I don't know why this is so hard. And they don't know. That they have all of these weights on them until we start to release the velcro and we pull off all of these weights. And then they're like, Oh, I had no idea that I had that from when I was three years old, that I had that from 14 years old, that I had that from my ex-marit or or my my ex-husband or ex-wife um or that from uh that one lady at at my job that told me that I was stupid you know or something from mm-hmm. school there's all of these tiny little things that were like oh i'm over that i'm over that no no you're not you're still carrying it and so whenever we can release those trapped emotions um it just it it opens everything up um and it's it's been phenomenal watching people Um, you know, really process this trauma. And, you know, speaking from my own experience,
0: I've done a lot of healing over the many years. And I remember myself, I was one of these people, I've I've dealt with my trauma. There is nothing that is holding me back, you know? But what I did, actually, I just literally trapped all those emotions deep down myself, not even realizing how impactful they are in my adulthood life, I'm talking about people pleasing, saying like, yes, when I want to say no to people, afraid what people think of me. It's all actually is coming like a baggage. It's, it's amazing when you start healing, you can see where those patterns are coming from. And every single time after our session, I could feel even more free even more light, mm. even more joy. It was so amazing how you could connect to, to my body, to my subconscious. Emily, when people come to you, what to expect from the session with you?
1: That's always so hard to answer because everybody is so different. Some people need me to, uh, you know, really just kind of sit in the puddle with them. Some people are, they don't need to hear a motivational speech. They need to hear this sucks. This sucks. This is not okay. This is not fair. I'm going to sit in this puddle with you because this is miserable. And then some people and all people, I just need to show them the way out of the pit of mental illness. Hell, I have to read them first. I have to know where they're at and when they're ready to, to step up their game to, to really crawl out of that pit of worthlessness and mental illness, hell. Um, And also um, I, I really, I tune into the spirit. I tune into the Holy spirit and sometimes I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I pray before every session that I have with clients and sometimes it's just the Holy spirit coming through me and answering them. And they'll be like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm like, okay, good. Cause I don't know where that came from. <laughs> like, I have no idea. And, um, and it, and it's always amazing. The transformation, like I, I had a, a, a client just this, this week, uh, he went through the, um, the eight weeks and he said, Emily, you completely changed my life. Wow. I'm not who I was a few months ago. And I'm just like, ah, oh, like that always feels so good to know that my work is so transformational. Um, and I never, I never would have thought that um, before. And I know you also help people to find this
0: inner clarity because so many people feel lost in this life. Like, what, do I, what should I do? Where should I go? Who am I?
1: What is your definition of inner clarity? Yeah, um, that's that's the reason that I focus on that because if I have somebody come to me and I just tell them what to do, then I'm causing them to now be relying on me. And that's still continuing the story that you're broken. You're Mm -hmm. broken and you need me. And you're going to continue to be broken and you're going to continue to need me. It's not the truth. The truth is, is that you're not broken. You're brilliant. Let me show you your inner clarity. This, this inner knowing that I have, you have it in you too. There is nothing different. You're a whole human being and I'm a whole human being. You have a spirit, you have a guidance system already in you. We just have to like dust it off and we have to talk about it. And we, I have to just teach you to become more fluent in your inner clarity, your inner knowing, and it's literally there for you to guide you through the rest of your life. And I'm here if you need me, but you don't need me to go through the rest of, of your life. And, um, it's, it's been amazing to me to watch people realize the power that they have within them this is so powerful this is so important why i
0: think this podcast is one of my most important podcasts because so many people when something happens they go to the doctors and what i came to learn not many doctors can see the overall picture they don't. If you have a neck problem, they just treat, treat the symptoms. They don't treat the the root cause of the issue, and it can be it can be something completely different. And that's why I'm so grateful for you to share your story, in hope that many people would realize, ah, oh, sounds like me. Maybe I should talk to someone, and. Guys, my dear listeners, Emily Penton is your person. If you are experiencing anything similar to what she's gone through. Emily, if you would have an opportunity to meet your 10 years younger, Emily, what would you tell her?
1: That's hard because that girl wouldn't have listened to anything. (laughs) Mm. She, she was so just like stubborn and so just like set in her ways. And I got this, I got this, I got this. Um, So it would be really hard. Um, But if she did have a moment uh, where she was listening to me, I would definitely let her know that she's not broken, that there is a miraculous thing that has happened that through time, through the, you know, survival of the fittest through generations, you exist for such a time as this, like you're here and that's everybody listening right now. Like, do you understand the odds of you breathing air right now of you being on this planet. There is so much here and you have not failed. You have absolutely not failed and you're not broken. And there's no reason for you to suffer. You can be happy on the inside. We just have to tweak some stuff. I would definitely let her know that I love her. I love her so, so, so much, and I've had to go back and and really do a lot of self n- nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd have I have to go back and love my three year old self, and love my ten year old self, and love my twenty year old self, and and really heal her, because she thought for the whole first forty years that she was worthless, and so I have to go back and and let her know, you're not worthless you're absolutely brilliant wow i'm getting emotional just listening to
0: this emily where people can find you
1: the best way to find me is just emilypenton.com and then all the links are there um and there's even a link there that uh, tells you how to email me just reach out to me let's start a conversation let me see if you know maybe i can even direct you to somebody else who can help you better Emily, before we go, do you have any concluding thoughts? I want to thank you so much because I think that so many people feel that being happy on the inside is impossible for them. And so I think it's really important for us to have this conversation and to to talk out loud about this. So many people don't want to talk about mental illness. They just, they just want to smooth over everything and then just talk about the fun stuff. But we have to give them hope and let them know that it is possible for them to be happy on the inside. So thank you so much for this podcast and for, for having these, these um, uncomfortable conversations because people really need to hear this. Ladies and gentlemen, Emily
0: Fenton. Thank you so much for joining us today. I would really love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. What did you like and what would you love to hear more about? For more information about my story and my work, go to my website at anaditchburn.com where you can also download for free my seven secrets that I've learned about being happy from the inside out. So thank you so much and We will see you next time. Bye for now.